Good morning. How are you guys doing this morning? All right. Three people are happy. Awesome. Uh, how are the rest of you guys doing? You guys just, just dragging? Just dragging? Just having a struggling day? Okay. So pretty much y'all's lives are terrible. Terrible. Anyways, hey, uh, just messing with you guys. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us. And, and I just got to say, uh, over the last two weeks, um, Shayla spoke over the last couple weeks, and I heard that she did an absolutely incredible job. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I actually got an email from somebody that, that told me that it was okay if I never came back. So, um, I don't know if that means she does really good or they just don't really like me. But I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go that it's with she's really good. And so uh, I, I'm glad that we have great people that can, that can share. And if you missed out on that series, she did a little mini-series on Gideon and uh, incredible, incredible stuff. So I encourage you to go check that out. But uh, today we're beginning a brand new series today called Freeway. And this series is a little bit different. It's something we've never done before. Well, we've combined uh, a weekend series with also our Connect Group semester. And so our Connect Groups are starting this week. And, and inside your worship guide today was a Connect Group guide and a form for you to fill out to get involved in Connect Groups. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. This series is, is not just about what's happening here on Sundays. While this is awesome and great, the power that comes from this series, uh, Freeway, this not-so-perfect God to freedom, the power that comes from this series is, is from what's going to happen during the week and what's going to happen in homes as people are doing life together. And so um, when you combine the weekend with what's going to happen in connect groups, that's where some major life change is going to happen. And over the next six weeks, we're going to go through these six steps each week and talk about them. And you're also going to be doing these in your connect groups. It's going to be an incredible time. And the steps are there's awareness, uh, which we're going to talk about today. Then we discover, then ownership, then forgiveness and acceptance, and ultimately freedom. And that's the goal really for everyone is we want every single person in our church to experience the full freedom that Jesus has for every single one of us. I don't want any of us to miss out from living a free life. And so I'm going to ask you to do a couple things. Number one, I'm going to ask you to get involved in a Freeway Connect group. And so inside that, God, if you would take a minute and fill that out, and at the end of service, take it out to the Freeway table, and we have workbooks out there. And normally this would cost $16. Uh, we were subsidizing them, and then all of a sudden, uh, a couple in our church came to us and said, you know what, we, we believe in living generously. It's one of the values of our church. And so we want to pay for every single person to have a Freeway Connect group book so they can go through this and so they can experience the life that God has for them. And so I want to encourage you, fill out a card, pick a Connect group, jump in it this week, grab a book, be ready for God to rock your world. Because I promise if you show up and you're desiring more of God, I know that God is going to show up in your life and do things you've never experienced before. The second thing of this is, is, so that's the first request, is that you go and get involved in a Freeway Connect group. I want, our goal is that every single person would get involved in a group. And so help me help you. And so that's what we're trying to do. I'm trying to help you, and you can help me by getting involved in a group. The second thing is, is, is if at all possible, over the next six weekends, come to church. Uh, now, I realize that some of y'all, you've got some vacation plan. I understand. Don't change your vacation plans unless you can. Uh, if you can, if you want to be here, I would love for you to be here. But if you're around town, come to church because we're going to talk about each of these steps each week. And then you're going to go and you're going to work together in connect groups. And I promise it's going to be absolutely 
unbelievable. And, and here's the deal. We don't get legalistic about attendance or any of these things. We, we just know that people on average show up once every three to four weeks. And so instead of doing that in this series, because this is one of those series where it builds week upon week upon week, we want you to experience the fullness of what God wants to do in your life. And so if you could help me help you, I believe that God is going to show up and do something great in your life through this series because of what God did in my life through this workbook and this material. And so I really want you to be a part of that. Now, today is going to be a little bit different. Um, today, we're going to ask uh, a, a bunch of questions today, and some of you guys are going to have enough time to answer those questions. Some of them, you're just going to have to take home or write down and think about them throughout this week. Uh, but questions are important for us to ask periodically to get a, a, a measurement of where we are in our life. And so, Talking about awareness today, my first question for you is this, is how aware are you? Thinking about life, how aware are you of what's happening around you in life? Now, some of you guys are going to go ahead and answer that question right away. But before you do, I want to help you see how aware you are. And so uh, I, I have a little test for you. And that's this, is that there's going to be uh, up on the screen, we're going to pop up this video. And there's going to be a white team and a black team. And the white team is going to be passing a rubber band ball back and forth. And what I want you to do is I want you to count how many times the rubber band ball gets passed between the white team. Now, there's also a black team that's going to be passing the rubber band ball, but I want you to pay attention to the white team. And so take a look at this. This is a test. How many times does the white team pass the rubber band ball? Good. So how many times? You guys paying attention? How many times did they pass it? 11, 12, 13, 14, 10. Y'all, 10, where are you at? Um, Y'all missed out on that one. The answer is 13. Oh, man, that's sold out, isn't it? Some of y'all were like, I missed some of those. Or how did I catch extra ones? But here is the biggest question. How many of y'all noticed the monkey karate chopping through the middle of the screen? Like five of y'all. So for those of you guys that missed that, maybe you missed some of the obvious. We're going to rewind it and play it again. Rewind it. So we're passing it. Oh, who's that? It's the monkey. Look at him. Karate chopping his way through the middle of the screen. Like doing a little kung fu there. Y'all were watching the ball, but you totally missed the monkey. So when it comes to awareness in life, how aware are you really? Because maybe we're not quite as aware as we think we are. And when it comes to self-awareness, I think self-awareness is one of the most difficult kinds of awarenesses to be aware of. Because if you were self-aware, then you would be aware. But if you're not self-aware, then you don't even know you're not aware. And that, that was just confusing. Because I'm confused right now. And here's the thing that I've discovered. Self-deception is probably the greatest form of deception in life. 
Because when you deceive yourself, you're lying to yourself and you're believing that, you start lying to other people and start getting them to believe those lies as well. And so maybe, just maybe, we're not quite as aware as we think we are. And when it comes to self-awareness, this is just a difficult topic to talk about because it's so hard to grab hold of. I know for Shayla and I, this is something that we just recently experienced. Uh, in April, it was Shayla's birthday, and some, some ladies in our church that she spends a lot of time with decided to go in together, and they bought her a, a purse. And, uh, and so on her birthday, they gave her this purse, and we, we went and grabbed a quick lunch at Chipotle, and we're, we walked into Chipotle, and you're standing in line with a ton of people in Chipotle. You know, it's like, uh, like you're herding cattle in there to get to the front of the line. And so we're standing in line, and I keep smelling the smell. Like, I have a really sensitive sniffer. Any sensitive sniffers out there, like, you smell funkiness if there's funkiness out there. And I kept smelling this smell, and I'm like, what the heck is that smell? It smells like dead fish. And so I'm kind of looking around and the people behind me are noticing the smell, you know, and so automatically I'm like, is that me? And so you got to do the pit check. Come on, you guys know what I'm talking about. You got to do a pit check every once in a while. Maybe <laughs> checking it out, see if it's your breath. Like you're trying to figure, okay, it's not me. I'm, I smell like deodorant. Okay, so I'm okay. And so I'm looking around the people behind me, you know, the, you see people talking and stuff. And so I see a guy a couple of spots ahead of us who's wearing like some overalls. And so I think, like, he was probably out fishing because nobody wears overalls but fishermen. And uh, I just make that assumption. I don't know who wears overalls, but he was wearing them. And so I'm like, and he was kind of dirty. And so I was like, he must stink. And so I'm like, Shayla, that guy stinks, you know, and the people behind us. Like, we're assuming this dude stinks. And so we go through line, and he leaves, and the smell is just kind of lingering. And, and I'm like, man that, man, that guy smelled us all up too, you know. It's just like, what's the deal? And so we go back to the office. We have a meeting. We, Shayla throws her purse in her office. It's, she shares an office with a guy named Brett. He's actually sitting right down here. And, uh, and so we go to this meeting. We come back upstairs. And when we come back upstairs, Brett goes, Shayla, I'm sorry. I had to cover up your purse. And we're like, why? He's like, because it smells like dead fish, you know. And, and so he had covered up her purse because it smelled terrible. In fact, I think we have a picture of it. If you see this purse and you're wondering what the funky smell is, it's Shayla's purse, Okay. Like, it's nasty. We are blaming. We are blaming this dude in overalls. We're getting other people in on it. We are so unaware that the stinky person in line was Shayla. It's terrible. Convinced it was somebody else. But it was us. We were the culprits that were stinking up all of Chipotle. And I think this is the deal for a lot of us in life. We're going through life and we just don't realize what's going on around us. And people are going like, what the heck is that smell? Like what in the world is going on right there? And some of you are going through life and you don't even realize that there is a big black gorilla karate chopping his way through your life. Because we're unaware of what's happening with ourself. And by definition, no one thinks that self-awareness is their problem. And if they, because it would mean that they're self-aware. So it turns out that the truth about all of us is that every single one of us have these spiritual blind spots in our life. All of us have these areas 
that we don't even recognize that are there. And so for some of us, what that means is that when we get in conversations, anytime we walk into a conversation, we automatically dominate that conversation. Everybody else is like, man, what's up with that? Why they just come and take over? And we're completely unaware that every single conversation is just like that. The reality is, is that some of us have some very irritating habits and mannerisms that we do that drive other people insane. We're like, would you stop picking your nails, but you keep doing it or sucking your teeth and driving everybody else nuts? Some of us, we're, we're name droppers. We, every conversation, we're dropping somebody's name like, oh, I know so-and-so. And you don't even know you're doing it. Everybody else is like, we don't care that you know them. Some of us, we violate people's personal space. It's like, hello. You know, they're all up in your grill. Hey, how are you doing? Like, I'm okay. Give me a foot. Others of us, we... Every time we get in a conversation, we try to make ourselves sound smart using words that we have no idea what they mean. That's me. <laughs> I make up words trying to sound smart. Somebody will email me every week like, what was that word that you made up? I'm like, I don't know. I made it up. Because I'm trying to sound smart. I'm not. I'm stupid, okay? Let's just, let's just put it out there. I'm stupid, okay? Um, but really what we're trying to do is we're trying to cover up insecurity. Others of us, because we're insecure, what we do is we use humor and everything. We, and people are like, man, if, would you just be you instead of trying to be funny all the time? Because I just want to know you. And the truth about all of us, and this is kind of scary, is that you don't really know the truth about you truth about every single one of us is we don't really know the truth about us. And in the Bible, there's a story that makes this point so well. One of the, the most visible characters, people in the Bible is a guy named David. And, and we talk a lot about David because uh, a lot of scripture is centered around David. In fact, besides Jesus, David is the most talked about person throughout the Bible. And what I love about David, and, and he was such an incredible dude, is that his highs were extremely high, but his lows were extremely low. And he was a great leader, but he had some major blind spots in his life. And one of those major blind spots is, is at a time when he should have been off the war, he was chilling out at home because he could. And he saw a woman named Bathsheba. Now, he had lots of wives, but he saw her and he goes, man, I want her. And he, that she was somebody else's wife. And he goes, I want her. And he takes her and he sleeps with her. And then sends her back off and acts like nothing has happened in the world. And just goes about in life as if no one else, nothing happened. And everybody else acts like there was a part of this little scheme. Acts like nothing has happened. And there's this huge blind spot in his life. Until finally a guy named Nathan comes to talk to him. And we pick up in 2 Samuel chapter 12 this story uh, where Nathan is confronting him. Starting in verse 1 it says this. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except for one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, it drank from his cup, even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Like this guy needs some friends, okay? That's what this is saying. It says in verse four, now a traveler came to the rich man 
But the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. So Nathan tells this story to David and just kind of sits back and waits and, and is wondering what David's response is going to be. And so, um, so David responds in verse 5 and it says, David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for the lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. And so Nathan looks at David and goes, hey, David, does this story sound familiar at all? Like, does this register one iota with you? Like, is this hitting you between the eyes at all? Do you understand? Do you see anything that's going on? And finally, he says in verse 7, then Nathan said to David, you are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. In other words, David, this story is all about you. This isn't about some, some far-fetched idea. This story is the story of your life. And you have a huge blind spot that you don't recognize. And let me just say this to you guys. That story, that story is not really about David. That story right there is about you. That story right there is about me. That story right there is about all of us and the fact that we all have huge blind spots in our life that we don't see, we don't perceive, that we don't even understand. In fact, some of us, as we're listening to this, we're thinking self-awareness. Oh, man, I know this person. Susie needs this message. John needs this message. You're thinking in your head, like, I wish they could hear this, or they need to go listen to the podcast. And this message isn't about them. Listen, this message is about you. This message is about me. This message is about the fact that every single one of us have these huge spiritual blind spots in our light and they're doing some major damage to ourselves and to others around us and we don't even have a clue about it. And here is the prayer that I have for every single one of us here. And I've actually been praying this prayer over the last three weeks um, as I've been preparing for this and, and it's been my personal prayer and it's this, God, Will you let me know as much truth about me as I can handle? God, will you, let me hand, will you let me know about as much truth about me as I can handle? And I put that little stipulation on the end because I'm a little scared of all the truth of my life. Like, I know that there's blind spots in my life. I just don't know what they are. That doesn't mean I need you to come tell me what they are. I'm not asking for that. Uh, just disclaimer. Um, but I know that they're there, and so I'm asking God to reveal his truth, because truth always brings freedom. And maybe for some of us today, that needs to be our prayer as well. Maybe we're not ready for everything. Maybe we can't take it all in one chunk. Maybe we need it in, in some bite-sized steps. But God, would you reveal your truth? Share as much about the truth of my life as I can bear, as I can handle Here's another question for you, and this happens to be in your worship guide. Um, and the question is this, and I'm going to give you a couple seconds to fill it out. How fast is your life right now? 
Are you resting in life? Maybe you're just chilling right now. Life is good. You're at a pretty slow place. Maybe for others of you, you're kind of limping around. There's a little bit of hurt in your life. Maybe for others of you, you're walking. Maybe for others of you, you're running or racing. Some of you are at a supersonic pace, and you're like, I don't know if I can keep up this pace anymore. And maybe this isn't even a good question for you to to answer yourself. Maybe you need to ask your neighbor, like, what's up? Because you don't even know the truth about you. Or how about this question? What do you think the leading cause of our lack of self-awareness is? Could it be pride? Quite possibly. Could it be some, some things from our past that we haven't dealt with? Probably. Could it be some fear in our life? There's a good chance that it probably is that. But I'm gonna, I want to make an overarching statement here that I think is very, very true for our generation and for our time right now. And I believe that the greatest enemy of awareness in our culture today is hurry. The greatest enemy to our own self-awareness today in our culture is hurry. That is what it is. And if you want to be aware and if you ultimately want to be free and if you ultimately want to be all that God created you to be, which is what this series is all about, we've got to understand that we've got to escape this cycle of being busy and being hurried and learn the spiritual gift of just slowing down. That there's this idea that, man, we've got to slow the pace of life down because we live in a culture today where busyness is a badge of honor. Every conversation is like, man, how's it going? Man, I'm just so busy. Come on, let's be honest. How many this week, somebody asked you how you're doing, you're like, man, I'm busy. Come on, raise your hands. It's okay. It's okay. It's church. Nobody's going to get mad at you. They're, they're not. Like, there's a lot of us that should be like, I got, like, everything. Like, my schedule's jacked up. It's maxed out. And we brag about it. We're like, man, I look at how crazy my life is. When the fact that our life is like that should be like a big red blinking warning sign going, hello, hello, something's going on in your life that you ought to take a minute to check out. And I think a lot of us, what we do is we just use our super connected, our, our, our super plugged in, our super fast pace of life to ignore the fact that God is trying to point out some areas of our life that need some work. And we think if we just keep going at this pace, then I don't have to listen to that still, small voice that's going on in our lives. And we live in this state where we're completely unaware of the toxic behaviors, the toxic relationships, the toxic beliefs that we are acquiring and that are running in the background of our heart continuously that are impacting every single thing that we do. Now, I want to make a connection here uh, between being busy and and being hurried because I I think it's really, really important that we understand the difference between being busy in life and being hurried in life. And John Ortberg, in in his book, um, Soul Keeping, man, he he does an incredible job. If you've never read Soul Keeping, I want to encourage you, read that book. It'll blow your mind when it comes to your healthy soul. Uh, But he kind of states the difference between being busy and being hurried because there is a difference. Busy equals you have a full schedule. Hurried is means that you're preoccupied within yourself. Your inner life is preoccupied. Uh, being busy is having a lot of activities going on in life. Being hurried is being unable to be fully present in the moment. 
And see, how you know if people are in a hurry in life, how many of you all have ever gone out to lunch with somebody and you're like, hey, let's grab some coffee, let's grab some lunch, and within five, seven, ten minutes of the conversation, what's the first thing they're doing? I can't go ten minutes without looking at this. I can't miss a Twitter. I can't miss an Instagram. I better like that. My Facebook, somebody posted to my wall, oh my goodness. We're so preoccupied. When was the last time you went and had that conversation, you felt like that person was fully present in that moment? Like you were the only thing that was there. See, busy is an outward condition where hurried is an inner condition of our soul. Busy is being physically demanding. It's it's things that are going out exterior-wise. Hurried is spiritually draining. Here's another question for you. If you were being really, really honest with yourself, how many of you would say, man, I'm just spiritually drained. I, I just feel like I'm empty inside. And, you know, I, I, I know that there should be so much more to this relationship with God thing than what I'm experiencing currently in my life. And see, a busy life reminds us continuously that I need God, that I can't make it through my day without having God in my life. A hurried, causes, a hurried life causes me to be, to be unavailable to God. Where I've got so much going on that I have no time to pray, I have no time to listen, I have no time to get into his word because everything else is of way more importance. And see, there's a big difference between that busy life and the hurried life. And I'll tell you what, Jesus modeled this better than anybody else that I've ever seen. Jesus was a busy man. You look all throughout scripture, Jesus was continuously had tasks to do, had places to go, people to heal, lives to be restored, people to preach to. I mean, there was a lot of activity in Jesus' life, but in in the midst of all of his activity, he was never in a hurry. He was always connected to God. He was always connected to the source, and he was never doing anything in life that he didn't see God asking him or telling him or showing him that he needed to do. There was always somebody that needed to be healed. There was always somebody that needed to be touched, and Jesus was always available for them in those moments. But at the same point, he also knew that in his life, he had to withdraw to quiet places. He had to withdraw to moments to where he could quiet his soul so he could do, so he could experience all that God had for him. And he modeled this for his disciples. He sent his disciples out two by two to go and minister to people. And they went out and they healed the sick and they, they, they prayed for people and they lives were changed and transformed. And his disciples come back and they're fired up. A lot of times, like what it's like on a Sunday morning when God really moves in a service. I go home and I can't sleep and I'm up to like two in the morning and I'm like just full of adrenaline. I'm sure that's how the disciples were after this. And you would think that it's in that moment that Jesus would want to capitalize on their passion, on their, on their zeal for him. And Jesus goes, hey, we're not going to go out and do more stuff right now. We're going to take a step back and we're going to go to a secluded place and we're going to seek God. That's the exact opposite of what we would do. We'd just continue to be busy and hurried in life. And he says, man, no, 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 no. We're busy, but we also got to be connected in life. 
What's interesting to me is that Jesus never did ministry in life where he ever severed his connection from the Father. Never severed it. And see, as we start to increase our awareness, as we start to realize what's going on around us, the hurry aspect of life starts to decrease. As we start to become more aware of what's happening, God starts to do some things in our life that we've never seen before. Whenever hurry slows down, life seems to slow down so much, and we start seeing the details of life. I just was in Columbus, Ohio over the last couple of weeks, and uh, flying to Columbus is, is always an adventure. I love flying into cities. Um, you get on an airplane, you're flying 300 miles an hour, and as you're flying in, you look, and you're looking for football stadiums because that's all there is in Columbus, right, Brett? O-H. Okay, one person from Columbus. Okay. Um, <laughs> he's a loner today. Uh, you know, they're, they're hardcore there, and so I'm looking football stadiums. I'm looking at downtown. I'm like, oh, that looks awesome. That looks cool. I want to go see that. I want to, like, I'm trying to check out things from the airplane. Anybody else ever do that when they're on a flight? Like, I want to see what's going on. I want to see what's happening in the city as I'm landing. And so I'm looking at all those things, and then as I get out of the airport, I jump into a car, and we drive 70 miles an hour down the interstate. And, and I'm looking around, and I'm going, oh, man, that looks cool. I want to see that. I want to go over there. And, and, and so we're living at this pace of life that is super, super fast. And then as I'm going through this, I'm hanging out with my mom, which is like just spending time with her is like traveling at 50 miles an hour. Uh, just, and so I'm like, man, I need a break, and I go on a run. And so I've been 300 miles an hour, 70 miles an hour, 50 miles an hour spending time with my mom. And then I, I go for a run, which isn't very, maybe that's like eight. Uh, on a good day, and then uh, I get to this park at the end of my run, and I just, I just walk around, going two miles an hour. And here's what I started to notice, is that when I was traveling 300 miles an hour, and I was traveling 70 miles an hour, I was traveling 50 miles an hour, I was doing all of this stuff. Like, there's a lot of things that I saw in passing, but very few things that I experienced in life. See, when I started walking around the park, I started seeing things in detail that I couldn't see at 70 or 300 or 50. I started hearing sounds that I couldn't hear as I was in an airplane or in a car. I started smelling smells that didn't smell like dead fish of purses, you know. Because our awareness always increases as the hurry in life decreases. And some of us, we're running at 300 miles an hour in life. Some of us are running at 70 miles an hour in life. And you think you're enjoying life, but you're really missing out in life. You think that you have these really deep, authentic relationships. But let me just tell you something. You can't have a deep, authentic relationship at 370, 50 miles an hour. You are kidding yourself. You have a whole bunch of acquaintances. You don't have deep relationships. In fact, I would probably tell you they're not even really real. Because at 370, 50, you can't really get to know somebody. In fact, you can't even get to know God. The Bible tells us in Psalms, be still and know that I am God. It's a secret there. 
we start to slow down, all of a sudden this awareness starts to come into focus that we can actually know God rather than just being acquainted with Him or being aware that He exists. It's not just passing by, oh, that looks cool. It's like we can actually have a relationship with God. So let me ask you this. Do you have times of solitude in your life? Do you have times of quiet? Do you have times of unintentional inactivity? I'm not talking about where you're just bored and you're like, ah, oh, I'm just not going to do anything. I'm talking about scheduled inactivity in your life. So you can go from 300 to 2 miles an hour. So the details of life can start to come into focus. Because as we learn to slow down, what happens is our hurry decreases in life. Our contentment in life increases. Philippians tells us, I've learned the secret of being content. Paul says, man, this is so critical. He says, man, I've learned this. I've learned to be content. And this is what I know about myself, and I'm going to guess it's probably true about you. I'm not naturally a content person. I'm not naturally content. I always want more. I always want bigger. I always want better. Anybody else out there like me? A couple of us. The rest of y'all are liars. It's okay. We're in church. We can tell the truth. Nothing's quite enough. We always want more. And Paul's saying, man, it's possible for us to learn to be content. And Jesus taught us a lot about this when he said in, in Luke 12, a man's life doesn't consist in the abundance of his possessions. It's not about getting more things because Jesus came into the world with no things. He left our world with no things. And he said, it's okay to have things, but don't make the mistake that more things are going to bring you happiness. More stuff does not bring happiness. It just brings, you know what Biggie said, more money, more problems. true he's preaching the bible and he didn't even know it we talk about this concept of slowing down whether you believe in jesus or not i, I think probably 90 percent of us would all go man i agree with the fact that man uh life is a little bit too fast paced like we need to slow down and and you agree with that, and you hear that, and what you're going to do is you're going to go home, and you're going to say, okay, I'm going to start to clear some things off my schedule. I'm going to start to clear my schedule a little bit. And you think that if I clear my schedule, it's going to change everything. I'm going I'm to have some time where there's some inactivity, and all of a sudden, I'm going to be more aware. And what's a, that's a great thought, but here is what is going to happen. You're going to clear your activity, and it's going to be good for a week, but then things are going to pop up. And what are you going to do? You're going to start filling your calendar again because the problem isn't our calendar. The problem is our heart. And slowing down starts with your heart, not your schedule. It starts with a change of our heart because if I can find a way to be content, then I'm not constantly striving for more and more things. And as long as I never learn how to be content, I will always be striving for more. If I don't ever learn that secret, if I don't always realize that, that less is more, then I'm going to constantly be going for more money, a better job, a bigger house, a faster car, a better looking wife, a better looking husband. problem isn't all this exterior stuff, it's the interior thing. 
Now let me tell you what's going to happen as you slow down this week. As you slow down and you get hurried under wraps this week, you're going to start to ask yourself some questions that are going to scare the living daylights out of you. One of the questions I kept asking myself in the last couple weeks as I got these moments of quiet, maybe it's a question you want to ask yourself that that kept popping up is this, is PJ, when you think about your life, do you like who you're becoming? When you think about your life, do you like who you're becoming? It's not do you like what you're doing. It's not do you like who you're married to. It's do you like who you are becoming? It's an important question to ask yourself. Some of you guys are going to ask that question. You're going to go, man, I've been running after Jesus like I've never ran after him. Man, I love who I'm becoming. Not there yet, but I'm on my way. Others of us, we're going to ask that question. We're going to go, not really liking who I am. But here's the best news of it all especially for those of us that say, I don't know that I'm really liking who I'm becoming. Because the good news of the gospel is this. Who you were yesterday doesn't have to limit who we are today. It's the most amazing thing about Jesus is what is in your past doesn't have to predicate your future. And I want you to remember that because over the next six weeks, as we dive in and we become more self-aware, some of us, we're going to experience life and it's going to seem like it's getting worse in the moment. And it's going to seem like it's getting chaotic because we're addressing things that we've been ignoring and it's going to cause some chaos in our life. But I promise you, if you keep pressing in and pressing on, you're going to experience a peace that surpasses all understanding. You're going to experience the fullness of life that God has for you. And I think at the end of it, you're going to go, man, I'm so much better today than I was yesterday because I didn't give up in the middle of the process. Let's pray. And I just want to read, as we're praying here, I want to read one last verse to you, and it's Matthew eleven twenty-eight and And these aren't my words. These are actually Jesus' words. And he says, come to me, all of you who are weary. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary. And this is what I know is that some of us, man, we are weary. We've been running and we've been running hard and we've been hurried. And our soul is churning like never before. And we're preoccupied and we can't get focused. And and man, we're we're just worn out. And maybe today you walked in here and and you're just worn out with every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe that's you in here today. I just want you to slip your hand up real quick. Maybe you're just weary, just weary in this place. Come on. Yeah, people raising their hands. It's okay. It's church. Nobody's looking around. If they are, lightning will strike them or something. Yeah, a lot of us are weary. 
He says, come to me, all of you who are weary. And he goes on to say, and heavy burdened. And, and, and I love that terminology right there. Some of us are carrying around some weights. We're carrying around some things that we shouldn't ever be carrying. And it feels like, man, that it's insurmountable, that it's overwhelming, that we don't even know how that we can, we can hold on to this any longer because it's just too much. It's just too cumbersome. And I think one of the greatest things that we carry around in life, honestly, is shame. Shame of the past, shame of what we've done, shame of what's happened to us. And shame is one of those interesting things because a lot of us, it's really easy when somebody else has done something for us to go, man, God's grace can take care of that thing. And his grace is more than sufficient for that person. But when it comes to us, it just seems like there's just not enough grace for our situation. He says, for all of us that are carrying these burdens, he says, bring those things to me. And this is what he says. He says, I will give you rest. And what that literally means is he says, man, I'll give you rest for your souls. This isn't the kind of rest that's going to come from a two-hour nap or a two-week vacation. This is the kind of rest that renews you from the inside out. Some of you guys need that rest today. So God, we just pray right now. As people have heavy burdens and are overwhelmed in life and they're weary from carrying these things, God, that you would just show up right now in the name of Jesus. That your Holy Spirit would come and you would lift the cares, that you would lift the worries, that you would lift the burdens right now in the name of Jesus. It says your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And you take our burdens and you take our cares. And right now, I thank you that you're lifting these burdens. You're lifting these these cares. You're lifting these things that are holding on to individuals right now. God, and I pray that a rest would come upon their souls right now. Like, Lord, their life might be busy externally, but internally there is a peace that surpasses all understanding. God, and I pray that as they're aware of what's happening in life, God, that you would be ever more present than ever before. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.